to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni at Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah Masoni, we have been apart for like the longest amount of time in years. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> we at least talk to each other every week because of the podcast, but you went on your road trip. I went on a road trip. And how was it? My husband and uh, for part of the time, my, our daughter, Amy, we went in our pickup truck and we drove all the way across to North Dakota and back. And we went to every national park we could find and ate lots of hamburgers <laughs> it looked so fun. Your trip looked awesome. It, it seemed so like fun. you saw some amazing things, ate some amazing food. And as always, I want to know your top eats from your trip. Zero top eats. No toppy. <laughs> no, we bought we bought a nice little gasp uh, barbecue, actually. And my family mm -hmm. told me that the meal I prepared for them, I think it was in Glacier, we had picked up some steaks in uh, Montana at a little grocery store. They said that was the best meal we had when we were traveling. Well, some adventures are not food-based. I think this was not a food-based <laughs> adventure. <laughs> I like the ones that are, but I definitely have some sometimes that are not. <laughs> I'm serious. Like pizza and hamburgers and burritos. That's the fare for Midwestern U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And you Not don't a, even eat any of those things because you're gluten free, right? So what do you no, do? Have a burrito with no no wrapper? I just <laughs> I had a lot of plain hamburgers and buffalo burgers, like just the meat patty. You eat it, yeah, that way. Um, lettuce, you know, with all yeah stuff. But yeah, I mean, it really wasn't about food. It was really about just getting out, spending time with our family, and just seeing stuff out across the nation that. You know, it makes you realize how small we really are when you're next mm -hmm. to like Devil's Tower or you're looking up at Mount Rushmore and you think about all the generations of people and all the time that has passed uh, across this nation. We are yeah. small. That's so true. And yeah. at, at your house, at your family's house, you have on the refrigerator all of the different states that you guys have been to. So were you able to add some ones that were missing? Uh, actually, we already bought all of the states. <laughs> you cheated the you cheated the system. <laughs> it's called instant gratification. 
Well, had you been, had you not been to any of the states that you no, traveled actually, to, I guess. Already, only in a state of confusion. No, actually, <laughs> I've been to all those states. So okay, cool. Yeah, but I think it was the first, maybe for Amy, for some of them. Yeah. So, but it was a fun time for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I missed you. I held down the fort while you were gone, and I think I did okay. <laughs> good. I look forward to listening to your it podcast. Was, I feel like it was very boring without you. I had nobody oh. nobody to make me laugh and smile. So it, was, oh. it probably seemed very serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, last week I was on without you because you were at the beach. Yeah. Was yeah, that your last summer hurrah? Or? We have one more. Um, you know, we try to pack it all in right before our daughter starts school. So we were at the beach this weekend. We went to the lake a couple weeks ago. And then um, we go to McMinnville every year right before she starts school. Um for a celebration at Abbey Road Farm. So we vend there and then we stay in the Atticus Hotel, which is my favorite hotel in McMinnville. So we're going to go do that the last weekend of August. And then she starts school. Yay, school. <laughs> we yeah. just had a Pacific Islander back to school event here at the Food Innovation Center. We had people from all of the different Pacific Island nations coming here to pick up stuff for their kids for school. And there was food uh that we are giving away and it was a really nice event on saturday that's so cool i um i saw somebody i don't know somebody posted about it so i knew about yeah. it but it, it looked really fun yeah it was nice yep everybody's getting ready for back to school yeah except for me <laughs> except for you <laughs> you've done that been there done that yeah. <laughs> goodness well, we want to thank our sponsor for supporting Masonian Marshall. Thank you for helping us spread the word about small women entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs. So much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folks realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. We love you, Market of Choice. <laughs> Thanks, Market of Choice. Well, we have been checking in with guests from our original shows for the past couple of months. Can you guys hear that sound? <laughs> it's, is it you? Like it's the tractor, you guys. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I like hearing the tractor. Uh, I'll, I'll start at the top of just that section, but I... Oh, was, I think we should keep the tractor. I, keep the tractor. <laughs> <I'm so> sorry. <laughs> we started That's looking okay. at each other like, his dad is out there working, and we're like, we know it's going to happen. Yep. Like, oh no! Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's totally cool fine. To we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it rolling. You guys are on a working farm, and clearly, we can hear <laughs> that you're really working the farm. <laughs> so, we've been checking in with guests from our original shows for the past couple of months, and I would like to introduce you to our guest today. Please welcome Laura and Mike Ellis of Mountain Hope farms they are calling in from their farm in malala you can hear they are actually on the farm and this is where they grow grapes specialty crops and make amazing oregon fruit spreads we're so glad you guys are back welcome welcome thank you so much it's great to be back <laughs> well we want our listeners to be able to find you on um, social media and online so can you tell us where they can do that sure um 
the place that we're most active is Instagram and our handle there is Mount Hope Farms. So M-T-H-O-P-E and then farms. And um, our website, if you want to look up and kind of read more about us, is mounthopefarmsoregon.com. And that's also M-T-H-O-P-E and then oregon.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link you on all of our channels as well. Well, the last time that we talked to you was September 2020. And if folks want to listen to that episode, it was episode 58. So quite a long time ago. And when you just popped on earlier, we were talking about what a crazy time that was for you. So let's just tell our listeners a little bit about what was going on and what is different now. Yeah, I was just telling um, both of the Sarahs. <laughs> um, when I did that interview, Mike actually wasn't here, but that day we had a combine fire and then it's like all of Western Oregon started burning. It's when all of those wildfires started happening. So I remember doing the interview, but I don't remember being very present. And I, I don't even know as I, no offense, listened to it after because it was so busy and chaotic so I'm well, and glad to do this again. I'm. We're glad to have you back again. And it's kind of why we wanted to read you this with our, our buddies that, you know, we had all these very incredibly stressful, crazy times. And that became like the subject of a lot of our things. And we want to really talk to people now and see how things are going when it's not yeah. so insane. And so we're so mm -hmm. glad you could come on. You guys were trying to figure out if you should evacuate on that at that time. And so it was very stressful. So I'm glad that you can just hang there. The only thing is that the tractor's running outside. That is not stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll see. We're we're kind of thinking maybe he's done and so he's not going to make another pass through, but we'll see. It could happen. That's cool. We're, we're yeah. down. <laughs> Well, um, I just saw that you are celebrating your ninth year as a farm business. You had just posted about that. And um, I really liked, well, first of all, congratulations on nine years. That is a big deal. And I hope Thank that you, you celebrate it. I also really like that you talked about um, some of the things that, some of the mistakes that are made and that you learn from those. And I think that's something that comes up a lot in this podcast. Sarah and I talk to all kinds of people who um, we can all learn from, which is why we like yes. to check in with it, everybody. So, but I really liked that you put that out there for people that you learn the most from the mistakes that you have made and the challenges that have come up for your business. So I don't know if you want to touch on that at all or talk about it while you have this platform open, but also people can go check your Instagram posts because you did a really nice job of laying it all out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think um, on that post, we just kind of talked about how when we first started, our goals were so much different than they are now. And part of that is learning learning what we want to do, what we can do, what we're capable of, and learning what we actually want. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, it was, at first we were like, you know, we can do this. We can make this a bigger business and really support our family, kind of do what we want to do with it. And looking back now, I mean, we know that we, we like being local, we like being small, and we love our business that way. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think 
everybody needs to scale up. Our dream is to support our family and to keep our farm going for future generations and to support the generations that are working here now, Mike's parents. Have some nephews that come out in the summers and help a little bit, but it's... Yeah, yeah, just to keep keep the farm going, to share it with the community, to share it with other people. And for us, that might not require scaling into some big national company. And Mm -hmm. at first I was thinking... That's kind of what I want to do. I want to make this thing big. I need to I need to kind of prove that we can do this. And I'm like, who am I proving this to? <laughs> Why do I need to do this? You know, our dream is to yeah. support our family, to leave something for our kids if they want to work with us, if they want to farm later on, for nieces and nephews if they want to farm later on. Well, and some of it too is we've seen that there's risk involved with scaling. There is. Growing it, it requires cash outlay. It requires yep. risk. And do we really want to risk something that's precious to us if that's not really what the what we want to do? Right. It's we just want to focus on protecting us. and keeping what yeah. we want to keep. Yeah, I think um, we found a lot of happiness in the last few years just figuring out who exactly we are and how that translates into our business. And we found a lot of comfort and um, contentment. And so I think that's, that's been really key for us and it's kept us going, you know, through a lot of hard times and just being able to adjust and pivot and staying smaller, staying more local, um, building on those relationships that has really kept our business alive and kept it going. There's so many times where we didn't know where the next, you know, amount of money was going to come from. We didn't know how it was going to work out. And really, it was the relationships that kind of pulled us through, stores supporting us, mm-hmm. customers supporting us. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the fires, customers and stores being super understanding of us and wanting to support our family because we had taken the time to really get to know them. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. has just been so key for us. Yeah. So I think just we're just really comfortable and happy with where we're at and where we're going. And we know that that it could change again. And that's mm-hmm. okay. So. Mm-hmm being able to pivot, to pivot and change. Mm-hmm. Well, I really like um, that you guys have tried all different things too, because I think sometimes that's what it takes is that, um, you know, maybe you thought that doing a meat CSA was a good idea, or maybe you thought that, you know, growing all the stuff for a farm basket is a good idea. And I think it's good to try those things because maybe one of them is going to be the thing that supports your family, but also maybe it's not. And I think, I like the flexibility of that in a business and in my business. And so I'll do things like that all of the time. Um, but I always make sure to do them on a pretty small scale. So it's not like financially risky for me, you know, so I'll maybe try something and just make a few hundred or something, you know, so it's not like I'm stuck with 10,000 pounds of something I can't sell, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's exactly. a risk. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all a risk. And I think, we really want to do things on our own terms and we know our goal is to serve the community and to serve our family. And we just feel happy and, you know, we're able to try new things on a smaller scale and not feel bad if they fail and kind of push forward if they don't. And so it's been, it's been a big learning experience. And then as our kids have grown too, our goals have changed because we see like, 
how much more they're needing and what their interests are. And we're like, how is this going to fit in with their future and what they're saying they're interested in? And and do you, do you think that your kids want to take over at this point? I mean, I know they're young, but. They're pretty little. I know our oldest says that he does, mm-hmm. uh, that he wants to farm. Yeah. And I know that some of our nephews and nieces have shown interest. So we don't know. And our thing has always been, we don't want to pressure them. We want them to do what they're meant to do. We want them to be their best selves. And if that involves the farm, wonderful. And if it doesn't, it's okay. And we want them really to feel mm-hmm. like it's okay. You know, they can, they have a choice. They, they can do what they want to do and what they feel led to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's always interesting, you know, as I've worked with different farmers over the years and gotten to know their families and their children, you know, of course I meet them when they're babies and then I see them grow up and I always kind of try to guess if they're going to stay and take over the farm or if they're going to go do something else and not want to do farming. And, but, and there's, uh, you know, just it's either they really are into it or they're not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes right away, they know they're not, you know, when they're little, they're like, no, I don't want to do this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's how, wasn't that kind of how it was for your siblings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They sort of knew this is not what they wanted to do. They wanted to be involved and they're very supportive, mm-hmm. but they had other dreams and other aspirations yeah. and, and. Well, like my sister from an early age, she knew she wanted to teach. That was mm-hmm. what she wanted to do. And mm-hmm. there was, you know, she knew that very well. And with my brother, he always knew, I think, that he wanted a bit more financial security than what a farm offers because mm-hmm. farms are not known for being very stable and reliable on that end of things. Yeah. And is your is your sister a teacher? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. she, she was, and then she had kids, and she's just getting through raising kids, and I think she might go back and sub or teach or something here as her kids are getting out of high school. I have a question about your grape harvest. Can you tell us how your harvest was this year? Do you think your grapes have been affected by the smoke? There's a lot of research about it, and I was just curious if you felt any impact. Uh, This year, I don't think they're going to be affected by it at all. The year that we had the fire, um, that year we lost about two-thirds of our grape crop. We had had about a third of it harvested and in the cooler when the fires hit back in twenty. And uh, the stuff that was in the cooler, luckily, we didn't lose power. So we were able to just keep it shut, sealed up. And we got back out after, uh, you know, as we could get back to the farm. And we started tasting through stuff and it would just be random. It would be one cluster would be just fine. The next one you'd taste it and it was just as bitter and sour as could be. Interesting. And there was no visual difference on them. And Mm -hmm. so we just had to make the decision, you know, it's our our retail uh, relationships are more important than uh, yeah. a one-time gain. So we're yeah. going to let people know it's a an extremely light crop that year. It's going to be here as long as it's here. And luckily they were all super That's supportive nice. of that. They helped us move through them really quick. And nobody gave us a bad time over being so much lighter on mm-hmm. yield than what we had been before because everybody understood it was – this is not a normal thing that happened. Was this yeah. a good year for grapes this year? It looks like a really good year. Our younger block is 
they they pick up steam over time. Yeah. And each year they just keep on kind of growing a little bit more, a little bit more. The clusters get a little bigger. They fill out a little more. The grapes, the berry size on them gets a little larger. And this year, looking out there right now today, we have as big a crop as we've ever seen out there. Just because That's the cool. younger block is getting more mature and it's mm -hmm. it's about six years old now. So it's starting to kind of get up and really going. And our old block is around 10 years old. And so it's really, you know, going full steam and chugging ahead there. Yeah, it looks really great. And we should start picking probably at the end of the month and we mm -hmm. go through and you know are super selective we won't just pick everything all at once we kind of go back through and do a few picks yeah. and mike measures the bricks and sees where they're at and yeah. so far they look wonderful yeah so I'm what are you shooting excited. for uh 10 percent, 15 on the bricks? Uh, on our table grapes, we aim for 21 bricks. 21. Oh, that's perfect. And uh, that's I've had them go on Reliant, which tends to be a little bit higher bricks than the other ones. It's our earliest variety. I have seen that one go up to 25, 26 wow. occasionally. But that's, you know, that's the high. best clusters out there type of a thing. The other fun thing with this is we'll go through and do a kind of an early pick out there, the very front end of stuff. Yeah. As we remove those front end clusters, it shrinks the amount of uh, room that those uh, plants have to put sugars, to put oh. the sugars out. And yeah. so the rest of the crop, it speeds up the ripening on it. And so uh -huh. as we go through and remove that first end of uh, the crop out there, you can just watch and everything just starts kicking into higher gear filling out faster, coloring up faster and ripening faster. And so it's one of those things, once you kind of start that race, it's go, 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 go and get it in and get uh, to the stores and get it sold. I got to ask, do you make your own grape juice then? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. You saw, I saw you have popsicles on your um, feed. Are you going to make grape? popsicles ever i've done that mm -hmm. in the past just like for our family yeah. mm -hmm. and oh. the kids love it and the juice oh, yeah. is so we grow juice grapes as well and oh, so okay. far that's only been for our family and mm -hmm. sometimes we'll sell it for people to pick up from the farm mm -hmm. but um we normally mm -hmm. do steamed grape juice for us yeah i'll we'll use it mm -hmm. for popsicles and things like that and one year with the table grapes uh, we did like a grape pie, which was really fun. Ooh. It was really, really good and different. Yeah. You know, it was different, but it was really good. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about grapes. So here's my questions for you. Because yeah. so, so you're growing table grapes mostly, mm -hmm. but then you said you grow um, juice grapes too. But, and then are both of those different than like wine grapes? They're just all different varieties. Yeah, they're all different varieties. The table grapes, the big difference with them is that uh, they will have uh, what's known as they're a non-slip skin mm. and they're seedless. And so you don't have any seed inside of them that you're chewing on, or at least uh, not much of one. It's a seed trace. It's a little bit of a partially formed seed, but it's not anything that you're going to really notice usually. Mm. And that uh, non-slip skin means it has a very thin skin. So you're not having it um, like a wine grape. It has a very heavy, thick skin that will separate from the flesh of the grapes and uh, is actually pretty chewy and uh, tough to tough to get down. 
Yeah. Um, but that's the big difference between the table grapes and the wine grapes is they're just different varieties. These ones are bred and selected for the seedlessness, the thin skin, and to make them more palatable as a fresh eating grape. Nice. Perfect. Thank you for describing it to me because now I understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to um, take a quick break and we will come back and talk about your fruit spreads. We'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Can you tell us all of the different flavors of fruit spreads that you're making? I saw you have quite a few on your website. Yeah. So in stores that we wholesale, we have a line of six, and I've kept it down to that because anything beyond that has been hard to keep up on. And I also do a lot of, as the year allows, a lot of small batches that we sell just direct to consumer on our website. So, you know, it can vary. There's six that are kind of available almost all the time, although a couple of those we've made more seasonal. But, you know, it ranges between that and up to 15 or 16, but it really depends on the year. And it depends on how much time I have to make everything in the smaller batches. And we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, like we normally do like aronia hascap. We grow aronia berries, we grow hascap berries, and I do a special run of those. This year I hurt my arm in the spring and so I wasn't able to put the lids on jars, so I couldn't do that. So I'm actually gonna be making that later this month as we mm. kind of start with grape harvest. And, you know, I'll do stuff with uh, neighbors' tay berries and different things with marion mm. berries and, apples and it really varies year to year. So what are the six flavors you have all the time? Yeah, so we have strawberry lavender, raspberry marionberry, spiced marionberry, which is spiced with like pie spices, blackberry aronia lavender, heritage apple, and blueberry orange spice. And I saw you've won some of the Good Food Awards for those products. Yeah, mm -hmm. we've we've actually won eleven, which is wonderful. Oh, that's so many! Oh, that's <laughs> so I, I can't believe it. So I feel very lucky. Like, yeah, oh, that's amazing. Really wonderful. Thank yeah. you. And so we just uh, we just actually sent our stuff in today to enter into that. So I'm super excited. I'm excited every year to yeah. see how that goes. I love seeing everybody that wins. There's so many cool products. So many cool uh, new things. A lot of times it seems like there's been more new things in these last couple years than normal, which really that's exciting to me, mm -hmm. not even just in our category, but in other categories. That's always good to hear. Yeah. Oh, and you have the seasonal uh, cranberry one. Oh, yeah. I have a uh, cranberry marionberry, which we yep. just reformulated the recipe and I'm so happy with it. And that'll release for we just do one batch of it limited release and then it's usually sold out by christmas and then we're done yeah and if it does well we'll we'll bring it back every year i saw you have charfruitery boards on your website yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> i have okay. someone that's been helping me uh do pictures yeah. and yeah. she's really good at putting them together i've tried yeah. to do it and with little kids 
it's not, just not my, not in my wheelhouse. It's not my talent mm-hmm. and she's so good at it and I will take the help. It's <laughs> nice. It's always nice to have helpers. Yes. I was um, going to mention one thing about seasonal flavors because I feel like this is something that can maybe help people who are listening that have a business. And and yeah. it's something it's when you mentioned making mistakes and um, putting it out there, the, the cranberry sauce is a very interesting thing because I have a cranberry red jalapeno hot sauce and I make it every year and I always have, and it's very popular when I have it. So one year, one of my cranberry farmers was like, we have so much fruit. Do you want to just buy this? It was a huge amount of fruit. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like four times what I usually buy. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can make it and I can sell it. And the thing is, is that people only really want to buy cranberry sauce until, I mean, Thanksgiving, really. Like after Thanksgiving, they're over it. And then maybe Christmas again, you can get another round. But definitely after January, nobody wants anything cranberry. They are over cranberry. They're over anything holiday. And I unfortunately made so much because, you know, cranberry harvest goes, um, starts in October. And then sometimes this was the late one. It went like through November. So I got all those cranberries really late and I had so much cranberry sauce and I couldn't sell it. Like stores didn't want it. You know, I made a bunch of wholesale and they were like, no, we're getting rid of our holiday end cap or whatever it was. So just keep that in mind that if there's something. Yes. And, and that's, we actually saw that on our, uh, our heritage apple used to be called autumn apple and we had it, you know, all the time. And uh, the tractor is about ready to go by again. So you might hear that. But um, we had it all the time and it had trouble selling, you know, of course, like in the spring, nobody Mm -hmm. really wants autumn apple. It sold great September through November. And so we changed the name to Heritage Apple. So it kind of gave us a little bit more time and it actually helped quite a bit. But I mean, it's still... It's popular in the fall. That's when we sell most of it. And that's when it goes really well. And even like with our table grapes, we've noticed if the season pushes into October, which it did last year, because everything was like two weeks late, people are over grapes. They want apples. They want apples. They want pumpkins. They're ready to make that switch. Mm -hmm. And so sales just drop off. So we're always happy when picking and harvest starts like it will this year at the end yeah. of the month, because people are very seasonal. They know they want grapes. They want um, mm. things at certain times of the year. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's good too. If people are thinking about what they're going to name their products, like don't name it with a season because yeah. I think then that really limits it. You have to sell it Bummer. during that time. So I think more focus on what it is. Like, I think it's perfect that you changed it from autumn to heritage because that that is what it is, you know, and they can enjoy your heritage apple anytime, you know? So yeah. I think that's really nice. Also, I think the power of packaging is a little bit misunderstood. Like people don't want it to say autumn when they're using it in summer, right? Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah. yeah. It, it just things to be mindful of when you're thinking yeah. about what you're going to call your stuff. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you think that you have a um, fruit spread that tells your story best? Yeah, I think our Aronia Hascap really does. It's the berries are unique to the area. Aronia berries and Hascap berries. It kind of tells the story of us trying new things. Mm. You know, we wanted to uh, see how these berries worked. Mm -hmm. They've worked really well for us in our products. 
we developed the recipe and I, you know, I think it's very fitting because Mm -hmm. it kind of grew, the crops kind of grew with us and then the product kind of grew with us and it's something different and unique, but it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, people are comfortable with it. Does that all Mm -hmm. make sense? It just, it's really, it's, it's been my favorite, one of my favorite products to make. And the berries, I'm so proud to say, you know, we grow each one of these berries and we harvest each one of these berries. And people have really connected with that um, and our story. And especially like as we post on social media and such, they're willing to purchase because they know us. They know what goes into growing the crop and the fruit. And yeah, it's yeah. been pretty special. And the tractor is going to go by again. <laughs> oh. Do you have any advice that you'd like to pass along to our listeners? I think just learn who you are and learn what you want and operate on your own terms and don't feel pressured to grow too big, too fast. Do what's going to work for you and your family and stay really authentic to who you are. I know for us, if we've ever pulled away from that, that's when we started feeling not right about things. That's when yeah, wasn't comfortable. Um, and that's when things didn't work as well. And as soon as we kind of figured out who we are and where we wanted to go, and it's a constant, you know, it's a constant pivot, constantly mm-hmm. figuring out where you want to go and what you want to do. Yeah, so because you have to remember... You have to sell the stuff, right? So you yes. have to feel comfortable and not feel disingenuous when you're talking about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's always good advice. So important to us and to always just be comfortable telling your story, you know, when we do social media, I, that's been hard for me mm-hmm. because I'm always like, I don't know what people want to see. And I'm like, well, what people really want to see is they want to see us. They want to see our family and they want to know our story and we're not going to be like anybody else. And that's okay. That's right. how it should be. And so that's been, it's been really freeing in a way mm-hmm. and really um, wonderful to kind of accept that and be happy doing it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think you do a great job too of like talking about your family and the farm and what you're doing and who you are and then opening it up to do people have questions or what do you want to know? But when you do that, do you ever get any weird questions? You know, I've been really lucky that I haven't. Um, I know (laughs) (laughs) in years past, I know I easily could knock on wood that I don't, but um, (laughs) I know in years past when I've been talking about, you know, does anybody have any questions about canning? Because that's something that I was actively doing for my family Mm -hmm. and for the business. People would genuinely, you know, they'd have questions and that was kind of fun and just people have been really easy to talk with and have been really invested in us and nothing weird so far. <laughs> Good. Uh, let's keep it that way, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, well, we've been asking our guests what they need from the community. So, you know, we have a lot of um, fellow makers listening, a lot of people in the community. So what do you need? How, how can we support you and your family? I think just to keep in touch with us and what we're doing. We have some exciting things moving forward, exciting new projects. We're attempting, and it's a very slow process, and we're very, very careful. Um, We're attempting to start building um, a kitchen on site 
Oh. It takes a long time. It's very, very slow. I don't want to jinx it. I'm yeah. careful about what I say. So it's <laughs> slow. <laughs> yeah. And we're starting some new things like we're growing sunflowers this year. Mm -hmm. And we're going to work on pressing oil from them. Oh. So nothing that we've ever done before. So we mm -hmm. are learning and we're okay if we mess up. We're going to give ourselves time and just follow our journey and follow along with what we're doing. So it's it's exciting and it's really, really scary at the same time, but it's exciting and we know we can do it. And we're usually really smart about risks. So yeah. one well, thing you might try doing is doing a roasted sunflower oil. Oh, um, there was a roasted pumpkin seed oil that I tasted at the Sophie Awards judging a few years ago. It was fantastic. So might be interested to interesting to do that. Yes, mm -hmm. and it's something we we definitely need to um, yeah. kind of connect with the Food Innovation Center on too, because I've got oh, some yeah. questions, and we're just Good gonna idea. you know chugging away at it. Yep. Yeah, fun. that sounds really fun. And um, is your farm open if people want to come visit, or like do you do farm tours or anything? We're actually going to do uh, open vineyard day for retailers this week. And we're working towards in the future, mm -hmm. having like a farm stand. Mm -hmm. We don't have it set up yet, but that's, we're working towards it. And, mm -hmm. and we do, you know, we've occasionally, done some tours in the past, right. Mm -hmm. we've done tours and those have actually been really fun. Mm -hmm. And we've been really, I guess, surprised at how connected people feel and, also, when we had the tours come out here, I was I was shocked and I was very naive to how many people had never really been outside a city. A lot of them were from like L.A. or New York and they had never seen a working farm. And yeah. so everything was just kind of amazing to them. And mm -hmm. they had so many questions and it was really fun mm -hmm. because Something I take for granted that we're out here every day. Something yeah. you might look up is this program called Harvest Host. You heard of it? We stayed on a farm when we were out traveling around in Harvey, North Dakota. It was a horse farm that um, special horses. I don't know, Morgans or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they had four uh, hookups with water and electrical. So it could be up to four people camping there and you pay a fee to be part of harvest hosts. And then you can go and stay somewhere for one night. And the oh. expectation is that you purchase something from the farm so in your case if you had your little farm stand people could buy your products that you're producing it's a really nice way to connect with people from, from yeah far away. It's, it's usually just exciting. one night yeah it's all managed through their website so i really am i'm kind of enamored by it right now so mm -hmm. i thought i'd mention that's very cool and it's yeah. very it sounds kind of you know very low-key and not very, very low-key at once so mm -hmm. you can really get to know them and they can get to know you some you places watch. only have one spot and you mm -hmm. only can stay one night so mm -hmm. that's cool it's yeah. a nice way to connect with people and then they become attached to your products which would be really yeah. fun i got honey from the farm we stayed in in harvey north dakota <laughs> very that's cool so cool well, we always like to connect our um, listeners to where um, they can buy from you. So if they are local, let's give them a few places they can get your your fruit spreads and then um, also how to buy just direct from you. What's the best way? Yeah. So locally in the Portland area, we are in all of the new seasons markets. We're in the grocery aisle. 
uh, Market of Choice. We're at all of the cheese counters in Portland, Eugene, Corvallis, Bend. And then, gosh, uh, we're in some select Roths in the Salem area and a lot of different little specialty cheese shops like Red Hills Market in Dundee. Oh, gosh. The one in Newburgh. What's, uh, so you have oh, on your company cheese, huh? different yes, cheese yeah. shops and things like that. On your website, you have one of those locator maps I saw. Yes, yes. yes. And I need to go back through and update that, but it's super helpful when mm -hmm. I have it updated. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. So. Well, we can send people there. And then if they want to order direct um, from you, they can go to your website. And then do you do any in-person events or have anything coming up? We can send people if they want to meet and chat with you. Yeah, we're going to be doing the wedge at the end of the month. We do that every year and it's my favorite, my favorite mm -hmm. event. I love it so much. And then we, we don't do a lot of in-person events anymore just because our schedule is so, so difficult to pin us down, mm -hmm. but for sure, we're going to be at the wedge Perfect. and we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fun. All right. Well, you guys that went by so quick, I feel like unfortunately we're it's time to wrap, but I feel like things are going good for you guys. It's good to check in. I'm glad they're less crazy than the last time we talked to you. And I'm excited that you're still making your wonderful products and harvesting all of these awesome table grapes. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to see you. We record Masonian Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, including iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can DM us on our Instagram, Masonian Marshall, and we will be back next week, everybody. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.